right. Hello and welcome to the Meeting Your Soul podcast. I'm Farah and I am delighted to have Ashley on the pod today, who is a somatic psychotherapist and a licensed mental health counselor and also a fellow yoga instructor. And we actually met um, on our mats um, out at Audrey's um, house um, over, I think it was in Maple Valley. And we ended up just like clicking and just having great conversation and just really getting along and then have Mm -hmm. um, continued to cross paths over the years. So I am delighted to have you on the pod and I am jazzed to see where this conversation takes us, which we'll be diving a lot into boundaries and kind of Ashley's history and her story, but we'll see where else we um, journey down. So thank you. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me, friend. I'm excited to be here. I know too. It should be fun. <laughs> we'll, we'll keep it um, on the, uh, well, you know, I, I, we were just talking about this before we started. I am a big believer in like allowing the conversation to flow in whatever direction it does. Mm-hmm. Um, and for us to be as um, vulnerable and honest with um, the audience as possible. Cause I think that that's what really um, resonates and just sits with people and what they remember. So I appreciate you being willing to come and do this with me. It's my pleasure. Oh no. Um, how's your day been? It's been really good. I've just been kind of bouncing between Zoom meetings and hanging out with my puppy and you might hear her at some point, but right <laughs> now she's napping and in a good space. Yeah. Um, and so you do telehealth um, session or do you like mm-hmm. counseling session? I do telehealth as well as in person. So some days I'm in the office, some days I'm at my home office and yeah. Aww. How do you, how would you say they differ in like the sessions or do you feel like it is pretty similar? I mean, I have personal preference. I love in person just because I think there's something so profound about um, the here and now, the presence that you get to bear witness to. But I also think Zoom has such value to people can be in their own uh, spaces, the comfort of their own environment. Sometimes people get really vulnerable in that space too. So yeah. nothing is hindered by that, but there are studies that have um, shown different parts of the brain light up when you meet in person versus if you're meeting via Zoom. Um, yeah. So it's pretty fascinating. It's fascinating because well, yeah. during COVID, I feel like that's become almost like, cause I, I had a therapist for a while and we only met zoom. I don't think I ever actually met her in person. And I never felt like it was took away from the experience in any way, mm-hmm. but that's kind of interesting to hear that there was actually like a portion, our bodies are actually, and our brains are not responding the same way we would be otherwise. And there's certain things that you see that you won't kind of pick up on zoom, like someone's tapping or maybe some nervous energy that you're picking up of body language or um just like little things like that you won't be able to fully see by just a floating head (laughs) well and it's also I think and um correct me if I'm wrong but I feel like you have like more of an empathic nature to you in general Mm -hmm. so I think also when you're able to be in there someone's space and energy it's like you get those kind of intuitive things too absolutely yeah mm-hmm Oh, I, love I think that. both have their value, um, but I think that's why I like to offer a blend because sometimes people really appreciate the convenience of Zoom if they don't want to fight traffic or have kids to pick up and mm-hmm. a job to kind of rush to, and you can still be doing that inner work 
while you have a busy life and then have the option of like once a month come in person, you know, so you're still getting kind of best of both worlds. Totally. It could be a hybrid. And yeah, you brought up a good point because sometimes when someone's in their own space, especially people that might be feel more introverted or already yeah. therapy can already be such a vulnerable experience in general mm-hmm. to be at least in their own space and feel safe in that they might be more willing to like kind of share what they're going through because of the mm-hmm. environment they're in feels more comfortable. So oh, yeah, uh, yeah, especially if you're stuff. talking about something that's maybe tender or traumatic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sometimes having that cocoon of your own environment can be really soothing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Sorry. That wasn't supposed to be one of our questions that we were going to talk about. I was like, just curious what your thoughts are on this because I've always, and I've talked to um, different, um, you know, counselors and, you know, mental health and everyone's had different opinions on it. So I was just curious mm-hmm. to hear what your thoughts were, but, um, and that actually is a great segue into what kind of more formally that I wanted to kind of dive into is kind of what prompted you to become a mental health um, counselor and like what brought you mm-hmm. into that world? So a couple of things brought me into it. I um, I used to be a dancer. I still am a dancer, but I think I was doing it a lot more um, focused. I was doing classical ballet and lots of other different styles. Yeah. Uh, and I, I lived in Guam with my family for many, many years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my folks did... Uh, international development work. And so they started a couple of recovery centers. So mm-hmm. um, one for substance addiction and then one for domestic violence advocacy work. Wow. And so I was kind of immersed in that as a kid. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I think it gave me a, a lot of perspective for one people's stories and just diversity of experiences and uh. kind of grew a capacity for empathy. And I think when I was, um, my whole world was dance for many years and, uh, there were times when I felt like there was a longing for more of the heart connection piece or just, I would start to nerd out and kind of think about, you know, other things that how the brain works and how, how people work with each other and interpersonal connections that was really intriguing to me um and growing up cross-culturally I think I had just a lot of curiosity to how people think so yeah well, I think living there and like living in another country which did you were you born in Guam or did you um... no I was born in the states I moved away when I was one so I lived yeah, I lived in Philippines for a couple of years and then um I was also living in Kiribati. Do you know where that is? Oh, you said it and I was like, oh yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> where the Dateline meets the equator. So it's yeah, kind of the island of Tarawa. Okay. So if you look it up on a map, it'll it'll um it'll be spelled Kiribati, but the T and the I make an S sound. They have 13 letters in their alphabet. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I lived there until I was about nine and then we moved to Guam and that's where I started ballet no way yeah what brought your parents over there were they just into travel or it was their work yeah they worked um did international development work yeah and so then kind of brought them all around which what a fascinating Mm -hmm. way to be like grow up too I think so yeah my mother's British and my father's American and so there's just a blend of you know, different cultures within our house too. Yeah. 
well and then to be like involved in the type of work that they're doing just to see that and also hear those perspectives and Mm -hmm. yeah I feel like it kind of expanded like you had no I guess you always have a choice but you had like no choice but to have this more more expanded um offering of compassion just because Mm of um, what you got to see and obviously probably your parents perspectives as well Mm -hmm. it definitely shaped shaped a lot for sure (laughs) as it does but I that just gives me a lot of perspective on you because I just didn't know I was like oh this is a lot of people don't know that until I start talking about my background (laughs) I don't usually talk about it because it just doesn't typically come up but yeah when did you so then when did you move back to the states so I came to the States when I was about 15 for ballet and my family was still living in the island. So I lived with like, um, I guess, host families, you'd call it. So just like a, I went to a ballet program in um, DC. So Washington School of Ballet. Oh, wow. I was going to say like, you were like diehard into ballet and like, dance. it was, yeah, it was kind of my, my world <laughs> for a very long time. Yeah, I went to a conservatory and um, got my bachelor in fine arts and danced for a little bit and and I got a stress fracture. So I injured myself and it kind of impacted the way I think about um, what I wanted to do with my life. <laughs> I started having this moment where I was watching all of my friends perform and I had to sit out and um, kind of nurse an injury. And I was like, wow, I, I'm pouring so much into this craft and the sustainability of it there was kind of a mismatch for me personally yeah. um, and I think that's where psychology kind of became something that was intriguing like mm-hmm. I ended up going back to Guam and helping with my folks nonprofit. and then on a whim I <laughs> applied to grad school in Seattle mm-hmm. and got in yeah I did a, like a zoom interview and um yeah wrote a paper and yeah came to Seattle and I had never taken I had never taken a psychology class in my life (laughs) yeah and here I am just and now I'm yeah and now I'm doing a private practice and I really love it I am obsessed with the the heartfelt meaningful work that it gets to be and just being on the front lines of people's you know stories that you get to see so much resiliency you get to see mm-hmm. the glimmers of hope my clients are always inspiring me and I I always um feel like it grows my capacity for empathy just learning and and being human alongside of them in some way totally well and to be able to hold space for them to be the tender you're like you're such I think naturally like nurturing person so to feel that ten like and I think that's appreciated when someone is bearing their heart and soul you know mm-hmm. and to be able to have someone witness them and with open arms is and but it's exhausting you know for someone that has a little bit of um experience within this realm I know that it can take a toll so is that what got you into yoga eventually then yeah to- it, I, that's a great segue I I did notice from the way that my folks worked and like kind of it created a bit of a culture of burnout um yeah and I didn't have a ton of um concept or understanding around boundaries growing up um Mm -hmm. so I think that has been a, a process of trial and error of kind of finding my footing of 
finding my own sense of safety and wellness and boundaries. Um, but yeah, I did get pretty burnt out at one point, um, just within the work and had to step away and tend to some things. I, um, my first job out of college was, um, youth suicide prevention. And so, wow. Okay. Was out and um, which I'm sure you've heard of Teen Link. Um, with I have the, heard of it, yeah. yeah. So that was that was my first organization that mm-hmm. I joined up with, and um, we helped on the helpline. And so they have like a peer to peer helpline that I was a supervisor for, and was pretty regularly doing that. And then obviously was in the schools doing suicide prevention. But I remember even at a certain point, I was there for a few years, and I got started to feel a little burnout from it. Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, I think it was the regular callers that just you know didn't necessarily want to heal you know but that just to re-experience the trauma I think just really tore on me because like Mm -hmm. I think in my mind I was like I want to be there and I want to support someone but you can't make them heal right like you can't force Um, them into whatever journey they're having and they have to take it at their own pace and I think after doing that for a while I was like this is really hard for me to not mm -hmm. kind of almost to not um what let this like take this on as my own you know and I know that so that after that I I questioned I was like can I do this you know could I really do this long term so I admire anyone that's Mm -hmm. within the field just because I've seen it and know it's not easy work it's definitely not and it's but it's a when you are in it and you see the difference and the positive Mm -hmm. benefits of it I think then you recognize why you're reminded of the reward too Mm -hmm. And I think that's the challenge of if you're just getting a call or a moment where you're not seeing kind of the, yeah. yeah, those little steps along the way, it makes it tough because you're holding space. Mm-hmm. And in some ways as an empath, I imagine feeling like a sponge where you're taking it in. Wow. Um, but there are no boundaries at that point. I had no idea what the boundaries, I didn't even, I didn't even know what, ba- like, foreign concept what does it mean to actually like um not protect myself but in a way to be able to like have somewhat of a restraint of what comes in and out and I think at that it was always yeah. just very what what a, a intuitive empath said that she's like you're very porous like you're very mm-hmm. like, kind of soak up like a sponge everything here that's around you but you know which is an incredible gift when you know how to use it well and kind of develop those internal boundaries exactly yeah right and I think that is a skill. It's like working a muscle. It is. Yeah. And being willing to disappoint others and yeah. allow them to be upset with you from time to time. <laughs> Not always pleasant. You're like, I just want to make sure. Especially if you're a people pleaser. <laughs> yes. Oh, recovering people pleaser as well. So it's been <laughs> I, um, one of the reasons why I thought we should do this podcast. Um, because I think that a lot of people are in that boat and they don't necessarily mm-hmm. know how to handle all of it and then also if you haven't been modeled if you haven't been taught it's like how do you know something if you have no experience or knowledge around it you know like that's just impossible and so I think it's important but it's something that's definitely developed over time and um how did you develop it can you kind of flesh that out a little yeah I was like this is supposed to be about you Ashley I know but I do (laughs) want to hear this because I think it's important yeah I um no I'm just joking around but I um 
I do how have this has been I think it's developed over time I think each like area of my life like section of my life got developed at different points depending on what was going on and honestly usually a break in the barrier to the point to where it really hurt me or harmed me to the point to where I was like I need to figure this out otherwise this isn't sustainable like mm-hmm burnout with work like there is a certain point where I need to create boundaries with how much I'm working how much I'm investing and also the opportunity for me to give myself the freedom to have my own space too Mm -hmm. so like that happened over time but it was usually once I hit a breaking point to where I couldn't really come like I had no other choice other than to change and Mm -hmm. I am grateful that once I come to those moments I definitely am I wise up. I'm like, okay, I can't do this anymore. So what do I need to do in order to make this something where I can actually feel joy in doing it or creating boundaries in order to just be able to support myself so that I'm able to live a healthy and balanced life. And, um, you know, I think yoga is a huge part of that. I've always recognized I need to fill up my own cup before I'm really able to give to others. So that's been a huge part of it. Um, relationships, I think, you know, and also friendships that's taken years. Um, and I think even it like almost w- the willingness to understand that I deserve to just have just as much respect and um, mm-hmm. kindness given to me as I would give to someone else. And I think that that was the reality check to be like, it's okay to ask for what you want. It's okay mm-hmm. to set parameters of what what's okay and what's not all right. Like, it's okay to say, that this is something for you to hold on to. I can't carry this for you mm-hmm. anymore. And like, I think over time and a lot of self work to be able to be in a point to where I'm comfortable having those conversations, which before I either would be so nice and so giving that mm-hmm. I had no- nothing that, or to be super strict and to be like, nope, push immediately, shove everything away mm-hmm. in a slightly hostile way. And I think that finding that in between um, has been mm-hmm. probably my biggest lesson that I've learned when it comes to boundaries and really just, uh, you know, interpersonal relationships as a whole. So many good things in that. One of the thoughts that I have is when you were describing that rock bottom moment or yeah. even that, those moments when we hit rock bottom, because everyone's going to face those moments of collapse, right? Absolutely. Where the sustainability piece isn't there and um you notice where things are off balance Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. there is something about the collapse that actually shows you your limits and I think that in of itself is a boundary yeah yeah if we actually listen to the teacher of the collapse how brilliant can that be where you can actually learn to Mm -hmm. rebuild create scaffolding that actually supports you instead of um demand so much of your time and your attention I love that you brought that up and I and I don't think I recognized it at the time or even while I was explaining it but I think that that's a perfect way to kind of reframe it because I do think those were moments where that needed to occur they had to happen but then can I re can I still recreate can I re like can I almost create a more solid foundation for myself that allows me to be able to show up in the way that I want to, mm-hmm. but from the um, like confines of what feels comfortable for me, you know, you know. And, and that I- kind of makes me think too of having a mental savings account because mm-hmm. if you're just expending all the time, there's so much expenditure, there's nothing to, to hold for yourself, right? 
you get to actually be really mindful when you think about the internal boundaries of what's mine, what's theirs, where to I begin and they end. Yes. And there's something of containment and differentiation when you have those healthy boundaries intact. They can they can also adapt to the moment too. They they don't have to be rigid and they don't have to be inflexible, but there are times when it's important for it to be sturdy, right? Uh-oh. There can be sort of this pliability. Yeah, I love that. Well, and I think it's depending on who it is and yep. how much I have to give, you know, and mm-hmm. I think Rick, it's so much of that comes from my own self-awareness. Where am I at? How much can I offer at this point in time? And when do, when do I need to take time to recharge? And that's okay to be able to do that and to not have an expectation that I need to be everything to everyone else, but also that I also need to be that for myself. And I am, um, you know, growing up I very much it was like if everyone else is okay I'm okay Mm, so that was the reality and so I think that you know then you just spend years as that as the motto and it's the script too that script kind of creates a precedent that if you don't follow that prescription then you might feel some shame or guilt if you very much you know don't let everybody take be prioritized essentially yeah. And you're deprioritizing yourself. Yeah. And that was, that was a constant theme until just within the last few years. Mm-hmm. And especially becoming a mother and all of that layers on that gets in then the mom guilt that comes along with that, but then also establishing a career and then creating a family and having a spouse and all these things that I felt in my mind, what I needed to be, to be the perfect wife. You know, these mm-hmm. are all the things that are required for you to be a good mother and a good wife and have a good family. And um, that all got ripped down and t- like literally torn apart. And then to rebuild from that has been mm-hmm. really beautiful, though, because I recognize I can have a lot I can give and I can still give so much. I actually have a very much a large capacity to give, but that I also can only give from what I what I'm willing to give myself first. And I just have to keep those a little bit more strict and just be mindful of them because otherwise mm-hmm. I fall in, I fall into the lake and I can't. Um, and I just recognize that about myself now. Well, the thought that I have too is learning your rhythms and your rituals that offer sustainability to your life. I mean, I'm constantly tweaking that in my own personal life. And I think when you know that you're, you know, a human being, not a human doing, and you only have so much energy and capacity for a given day, what are the things that lift you up and replenish you? Mm-hmm. The things that you're pouring back into your tank are just as important as, you know, the ways you're exerting yourself. Exactly. I think of it like the inhale and the exhale. There's that ebb and flow. Something mm-hmm. has to be coming inward to be able to pour out. Yeah, I love that. And yeah, you can only, the exhale will end at a certain point. So then you do have to pause and take, you know, mm-hmm. life into your own heart and soul and body. And, you know, we are talking about that with yoga and yoga is a huge piece of that for me and always mm-hmm. has been. I, I think it was the first time in my life where I really started to gain more of that awareness and just that mm-hmm. body mind connection in general. And from there, then I was like, oh, I have an intuition and I can listen yes. to that use that I can utilize that for myself 
and like in a compass of to guide me and now it's like my guiding light and all that I do it's like no matter what's going on or what decision I have to make that's always where I start from and I recognize if I start from that place it always leads me and you know it's literally start of the morning like okay I have these things to do how do I like how do I formulate them what can I give what do I need to do for like food today? Like, how can I replenish myself? Mm-hmm. When am I going to take a break? When am I going to go outside? When am I going to have me time? Mm-hmm. And and that usually gets all kind of parsed through in my meditation in the morning. And that's always where that. I start. So it's, but you know, I think it's, it's give and take. And it's also just, it changes. It's definitely molding and, you mm-hmm. know, adapting as time goes on too. And one thought I have too is, if you think of yourself as a complex being of your body, your soul, your mind, all these like layers to who you are as a person, there are so many different boundaries and parameters. The body has a boundary too, right? Even when it tells you it's hungry or it's sleepy and it needs rest and um, needs movement. There's so many things to our bodies that can be a template for how to design boundaries that are not only meaningful but sustainable yeah because then if we're listening to ourselves then there's only so many hours in a day right yeah. so then you have to be able to okay I have to do these things or mm-hmm. there's certain things I need to do for myself or for my, my the others around me or for my job or whatever and so it's like how do I how do mm-hmm. I fit this all in but from a more easeful place I think trying to shove as much as I can even though people are like fair I don't know how you do all the things that you do in life and I don't know how you do all the things you do but I'm impressed but I'm much better than I used to be so that's what I always say <laughs> I'm much better um and so and I do give myself permission to just be and I yeah. know there was you know a period of time where I wasn't doing that and it definitely took its toll after that, it was a very hard lesson, but it was a lesson I had to learn. Again, it was, you know, another rock bottom moment, but it was like, I had to learn that. And once, thankfully, hopefully, I try not to have to learn lessons more than once. So once I get that wake up call, that reality check, it usually sticks with me. And I usually will make definite shifts within my life and then a change from there. One thing I do like about rock bottom moments is you realize where the ground is. Yeah. No. It's one of those invitations to actually put your feet under you in a different way and climb. Yeah. Oh, that's so beautiful. I love your metaphors. Every day. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. You pull them out of me. I don't know what it is. <laughs> I love this. But um, it is, yeah, I have definitely, and each one has always been unique. And I'm grateful that they haven't been extreme you know and I guess everyone has a different level of what they're the capacity of what they can take but um I've because I I have a lot of drug addiction in my family and so I've seen really 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 low rock bottoms and um, to where everything's been taken from them and I don't think I could um thankfully I feel like I I hear the whispers of my intuition and you know I've said this to people before and they're like this is really morbid for him but I was like it's true but I think your intuition speaks to you calmly and you know sweetly for as long as it can until it turns eventually turns into a scream you know and if you're not listening Mm -hmm. it will become something more drastic 
And I think there's always, it's usually when I get the stern talking to is usually when I'm able to like step back and be like, okay, here, like I recognize I'm pushing a limit and I need to adjust. Um, but it doesn't always, um, and so think I'm thankful. I don't think it's ever gotten too extreme, but, um, but I think everyone's ability and what they can handle is very different and what's what they're willing to endure before they're willing to get really uncomfortable because I think once you do these things again you're doing them because they feel uncomfortable and you don't want to do them and it's what you're familiar with mm-hmm. or what you've been in the program of doing or what you've been in the routine of doing and, to and we are creatures of habit I think that oh. there's sometimes especially when people begin to heal or you know even make progress and get better you know there's going to be those moments of panic or nostalgia for that safety comfort zone even if it's hurting you yeah Mm -hmm. why why do people go back to abusive relationships yeah there's something about it of the story that's being replayed there's lots of different types of abusive sometimes we have abusive relationships with ourselves self-sabotage is one of those things Mm-hmm. it's true it it is um I think yeah you just said that and it struck me and I was like because I've I've watched it so much with people around me and with myself and it is like mm-hmm. why do you go back to the old way and I and I, I you know thankfully I think I've always been one of those people that I'm like I made this change for a reason so I'm gonna stick yeah because I see the benefit of it um but it's a hard it's never easy and like you said, like there's yeah. a familiarity that comes, brings people back, but then. And change is nonlinear too. I think that's um, one of those things of knowing, okay, that internal self-awareness can be deeply enhanced by mm-hmm. a therapeutic relationship where there's that empathy coming in and someone also pointing out when a pattern is repeated. Yeah. Yeah. In a loving way, right? Without shame, without any pressure Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but noting it the and if you don't recognize it then how do you change it right because I think so many things are so subconscious until they become in our awareness Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it could be something that everyone sees around you except for you yeah well and now thinking about this too and like a greater scheme and like with a brighter light is that um if you notice it and then you see the pattern but then you also have to have the courage to be able to transform in a little way, like to be able to integrate, yeah, absolutely. To be able to pull it in, and then to be able to move forward. And I think that if you don't know how and you feel kind of stuck, it can be really easy to just stay where you are, too. Absolutely. And I think what you said earlier about getting out of your comfort zone, mm-hmm. in some moments, we have to take that risk to be courage and courageous right and like lean into the storm instead of away from it because there's that self-protectiveness that sometimes comes up when changes around us Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. especially if we don't see the possibility of what could be yeah right like there's light at the end of the tunnel and if you don't know that it's possible like even 
with you know with setting boundaries if like if you've never done it or if you've never seen it work well you know or that it's like mm-hmm. when it's never it may have backfired if you've tried to do it in a different way to be able to see the end result be something that was actually useful or that you want to recreate it's really hard to be able to even envision how you could do it in the first place and I think that's mm-hmm. within relationship patterns within your own patterns within yourself um, all of that and then again to like if we wanted to apply it to boundaries I think that that's very much a possibility there too yeah I love that and I think that sometimes boundaries aren't just about keeping people or things out it's also about what do you want to invite in what do you want to make more room for and um, how do you want to grow your capacity and grow your imagination for goodness because we only have so much room right and I think that's always what I remind myself of it's like I want more then sometimes you have to let go of what was in order to yeah I love that perspective and I think we also only have so much energy and the things that we end up giving our energy to are going to either regenerate something or deplete us that's so true so there's these drains and then there's also those moments of getting filled up and to see it I think yeah I I think coming back to this like seeing the other side of it too Mm -hmm. like if you've been drained by something when is it like and I'm curious to kind of think of like your thoughts on this is like when is that final straw you know Mm -hmm. when is that moment where it's like no more you know when is that rock bottom within a relationship, within a conversation, within a, like, um, within even a lifestyle or habit or, you know, something along those lines. Well, it reminds me of that script that you brought in earlier, that example of I'm okay if everyone else is okay. And how that can be somewhat unsustainable if, if your boundaries are constantly being violated to be able to kind of maintain that. And I'm thinking about, that's just a great example. And and other people can kind of generate their own personal example around what are those inner scripts? Mm-hmm. Maybe you're limiting beliefs that you're not consciously aware of. Like, can you drop into tuning into how you want to tweak it and reframe it so that there can be something a little bit more expansive? Yeah. yeah. A metaphor that I think of is when you're remodeling or redesigning something, sometimes you have to... Um, blow out a wall right that's in place so that you can see the view yeah and that's how you can look at boundaries as you're redesigning something internally Mm -hmm. so that you can make space and breathing room for the things that you do want more of in your life and the things that you want to keep out because it actually um allows for you to be more aligned with your values And connect to other people who are maybe in that space of learning too. Exactly. Well, and to be able to make room for truly what you are the future, you know, like mm-hmm. if you don't, um, if you're constantly living in what previously was, it's really hard to be able to see and to be able to create what you ultimately do want. And I mm-hmm. you know, you think about this within careers and making that change or within a relationship or friendships or even just, it, I think, you know, it goes across the board. It's just such an open door. But um, 
but it's it's difficult and I think the first step at least you know I'm I'm such a structural person this is my Taurus moon coming up um <laughs> the first step I feel oh, like tell me. <laughs> like knowing what you the vision that you do see you know what do you want what are you creating and and then from there it's like okay then break down into how you get there and then mm-hmm. that's and that's- breaking down the steps is sometimes harder because I think it's what you were talking about earlier of the change element of the fear response that can kick in mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um there's so much to you know those moments of working it out and making the vision a reality yeah that there's a slow movement to that sometimes and sometimes it's speedy mm-hmm. well and to believe that it's possible and that you like you deserve it that you're worthy of it that it can happen that it, you know mm-hmm. I think sometimes dreams um you know literally or you know figuratively are opportunities for us to see what's possible what the future could hold and mm-hmm. then from there it's like taking action in order to achieve them is something that I'm grateful that I've always had I've always had a lot of hope and I've always been very optimistic that I know if I really really want something that I can probably achieve it um in any capacity and um but that I know it's just going to take a lot of work. And so then that's yeah. why I'm like, okay, but I have to have the vision for what I want first. Otherwise, you know, it's easy to get distracted and get pulled in a lot of other directions. Because if you don't have a roadmap, you don't know where you're going. Exactly. How do you get there if you don't know where you're yeah, going? Yeah, you got to have that GPS, that yeah. compass. Think, well, and I do randomly drive around and just will like take random turns and do that. Sometimes I was like, and that is great. But you get out. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you all need to figure out once in a while. But there yeah. is something to be said about getting that vision mm-hmm. for what you want to change. Yes. Because I think when we're so stuck in a pattern or a cycle, mm-hmm. it's really hard not to get cynical or go into those shame responses of you you can really go into a downward spiral pretty fast. Oh, for sure. If you don't have that perspective of someone believing in you, especially if it's hard to believe in yourself, yeah, that change can be possible. That just made my heart ache a little bit too. Mm-hmm. I think so many people have struggle to believe that it that they can do something. Yeah, right? so too. And then it's like I haven't been able to do it before. I've messed this up, and this hasn't worked out. So why would this work out? You know. And then mm-hmm. that's that loop of like you said, shame and regret, you know, and resentment. And it just it's a vicious cycle that I just don't like. It mm-hmm. um, it can ruin. You know, I've I've seen it ruin lives, and I think that that's why yeah. I like, feel that so deeply. And I also think that words become worlds. What you think about, what you kind of ruminate on, and what you believe. Mm-hmm. it does get manifested in some way for better or worse and true there's something about really honing in on those inner scripts whether it be a limiting belief or some, something more expansive yeah the type of mantra that you have or the thing that you're kind of setting your gaze on mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. takes you one step further and closer to the thing you're looking at yeah. And, and having those little reminders of mm-hmm. what is getting you there and why you want to be there, you know, kind of coming mm-hmm. back to that why, um, you know, Simon Sinek talks a lot about that within his work. And I, I think it's, you know, that that's what keeps us focused when, because mm-hmm. things are inevitably going to go wrong. Like even with setting boundaries or whatever you're trying to do, there's probably going to be some pitfalls along the way. It's probably right. not going to be peaches and cream the whole time. And not to reference peaches and cream as a song. Sorry. <laughs> 
Is it? Oh, I didn't know that. I was like, I like peaches and cream. <laughs> Yum. <laughs> What's the song? Now you have to oh, sing. Are we in karaoke right now? I know. How <laughs> to bring start singing, but I was like, now I'm tempted. Okay, wait. Yeah. Dance, break. Dance break. Um, you've never heard Peaches and Cream? Never. Okay. I think you need to play it. Oh, I'm looking it up. 112, that's who it is. No? <laughs> no, never heard this song in my life. <laughs> oh my gosh, when did this come out? I'm not from around here. You remember this, right? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I was like, Ashley. Like <laughs> 2001. I graduated 2005. So I'm like, <laughs> Gonna tell you what I wanna do. Okay, we won't. We won't go into the song, but Peaches and Cream was a really great song back in the day. I'm gonna send it to you, and if you like R&B or hip hop in any way, I love it. Yeah, it. This one guy, like, uh, was like totally one of my friends. His name is CJ. He used to always sing. He's like, you know what I mean, Peaches and Cream. But he would like say it during class. He's like, you know what I mean, Peaches and Cream. And like every time I hear Peaches and Cream, I can't. I can only think of this song. Anyway. Love it. Continuing on, um, <laughs> it's really about to break out the song. I was like, "Bro, you gotta stop." Um, but there is this um, it, things aren't always gonna be easy. And <laughs> zoop, back to the point um, that not everything's gonna always be easy. So to have, even even not thinking about this, to have joy, to have a reminder mm-hmm. of what you're trying to do, and to infuse it with breaks every once in a while, I think is a good, um, you know, balance. It's a sustainability practice. It's a boundary. Yeah. To be able to say like, okay, I'm still doing all these things, but like tonight I'm going to like not think about this and I'm going to like go do something else or I'm going to refill my cup up in some way. Mm -hmm. Like we're talking about these rituals and different practices to keep us um, fulfilled, not only just Mm -hmm. within what we're trying to, you know, the goals that we have, but also within just our heart space. Or at least that's what I need. Mm -hmm. I know that that's very important for me. What about you? Do you do you have things that you do to kind of refill yourself? I have a lot of things that I do. I love I love a good conversation with a really close friend. I feel like that yeah. when you can just be really vulnerable with someone and be totally seen and accepted, it's one of the best feelings totally. to be really like deeply understood and known. Mm-hmm. Um, I love yoga. That's mm-hmm. always kind of a recentering place of just kind of meeting on my mat and reconnecting and just getting back in my body, back back in my breath, out of my head and into more of my heart mm-hmm. is really good. Um, also, I love body work, like getting a massage or um, I think things like that can be really restorative, like that kind of safe touch. Um, and sometimes even just the simplicity of a walk outside and feeling the wind on your skin and kind of having a moment of mindfulness. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, there's little personal non-negotiables that I have that are really helpful, like having a little morning routine or a night routine and, um, yeah, eating nourishing meals is really important and getting good rest. I feel like sometimes it's the basics, but I think of it as um you're not you're tightening the loose screws so that the whole ship doesn't fall apart yeah and I know there's small things but those small things do add up and it it can make all the difference like if I have my morning cup of coffee Mm -hmm. um I feel really a lot better (laughs) my brain works better (laughs) maybe other people need caffeine but I am one who needs caffeine 
Oh, I function. I think always drink coffee, and now it's like it is like it's a ritual. It's like it's I want to have my cup, like, and then everything from that I think flows. It just everything. Oh, flows yeah. from what's that. your What's your cup of coffee? Um. Well, I well, I used to. I was buying way too much like actually going to like coffee shops was like my before my ritual that I'd actually like okay get ready get out of the house and then I go to a coffee shop order coffee and then like be able to drink it in my car and listen to music or a podcast or something like that and that was like my start to the day um and then I was like there budgets exist for a reason and this is definitely not something you need to be doing on a regular basis and so I got like one of those single pours and so I support locally so then I because I go to a local coffee shop so I'll go get a bag of beans from them get have them ground grind them up and then that way I can have my cup that way but I've also been oh I've heard that's really good yeah Yeah. or sigmatic is like actually really good um mushroom coffee I've had it for years they have mm-hmm. like a pink one and like um a defense one that's supposed to help you with like Probably a lot better for you too yeah and you don't get that spike of caffeine as much but there's something about a cup of coffee that is just unmatched and I just I like a dry cappuccino like just mm-hmm. eight ounces and like yeah. very frothy free- cream like yes yeah it feels European something yeah, it's like a special <laughs> treat right oh, love it Oh, I love that. Wait, how did you establish like your morning and evening routines? Hmm. You know, it's been, it's been a journey. I think it changes and adapts to the season that I'm in, but, mm-hmm. um, especially with the darker months, I tend to like some structure and routine as far as, um, if there's some predictability in my day, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've, feel a lot more resilient to when things don't go the way I'm planning or there's these curveballs that hit yeah. um, I think I'm just a lifelong learning and it still is I'm still adapting it yeah what do you have right now that you like to do um you have your morning coffee but was there yeah, morning else? coffee I also think like I like skincare routines that can be like a little self-care thing mm-hmm. 100% um, yeah I just being able to kind of, I'm pretty tactile and just being able to smell something that feels really organic and clean, like is really nice. Um, just a kind of a self-care thing. That's amazing. I love that. Yeah, there's lots of little ones, but it's just, yeah, I don't know. Has there been something you've recently um, kind of integrated that's made a difference? Hmm. Or something you're currently doing? that maybe you don't always do I think being being a person who has had to heal my relationship to food I think making really good um nourishing meals is a self-care thing too just being able to enjoy the process of cooking um so I think that's been been a journey and also kind of a delightful thing too just um that's one of them yeah because then it's like being able to create something that creative aspect and then also to feel the nourishment of it and then yeah just- and there's something nurturing about being able to enjoy what you're eating enjoy even the the aesthetic of it like if it looks beautiful like I think that can sometimes be there's that. something meditative too about chopping I think it can be like it's it's the somatic experience with the the food you're working with yeah. and the smells and how it starts mm-hmm. to 
together and as it I think very sensory mm-hmm. yeah and, and there's a presence I think then you kind of tap in and start to smell the different like um you know herbs and how they all come together and then to create something new that it came from your fingers I think is really beautiful I love to cook so I know there's so many different self-care things so I feel like yeah. comes back to boundaries right of being able to attune to what does your body need in a given moment listening to your needs and tuning into it can be a really powerful way of learning how to fill your tank yeah one th- yeah I'm I'm really happy you brought that up because I think recognizing what you need and then allotting time for it is a boundary mm-hmm. all in its own. and I think yeah. that you know when especially someone who's like you know when I had a family that was a really hard thing for me to like allocate time for because I just was so mm-hmm. used to having to constantly be in present for everyone else again yeah. that story that I had to be there for everyone else in order for them to feel safe um and feel everyone else to feel comfortable and also as an empath if they feel comfortable they're calmer so that my nervous system is also mm-hmm. um but now to find now to establish these kind of non-negotiables for myself um mm-hmm. and then to invite other people into it to be able to recognize like okay this is still a boundary I want to hold even though I'm going to allow someone into that space too so like mm-hmm. they get access to it and I'm not abandoning the boundary that I've set and what I'm doing I'm just opening it up and allowing it to be a little more flexible I love that so good that's hard to do though I think that that mm-hmm. kind of um interplay of like the like the flexibility part I think is what is a struggle for most mm-hmm. not hard and fast on it but then also not to completely ignore it and your needs as well yeah I mean ignoring your needs is a very I feel like culturally conditioned and celebrated sometimes right yeah, and you true. can be so detached from almost we're we're kind of invited to become machines or compete mm. with computers yeah. and we are truly like people with mm. with needs for sleep with needs to recharge with needs for connection yeah. and when these kinds of um vats are not filled up you're running on empty it is a recipe for burnout mm-hmm and it's not just like we've talked about this a lot but it's like it's not sustainable at some point you will break down so yep. like at what point do you recognize and to be able to take a step back and just you know mm-hmm. evaluate I think that's so yeah I mean I also think too if you can think of your life like a marathon versus a sprint mm-hmm. you will allocate your energy differently based on wanting to kind of go the long haul versus the short spit like spurts and fits and starts yeah that's true is this has this ever come up in your personal life to where you've kind of ran up against something where you've been sprinting for too long or maybe mm-hmm. even those adjustments you've made or what was the uh, like realization that life is uh, I mean I can share a personal story I think um I think that one of the things that comes to mind when you talk about that is um, right after grad school, I was pretty exhausted. Um, I had an internship where it's not paid. So you're working basically a full-time job for no money in the city of Seattle, which is really unsustainable. Uh, And um, 
after I graduated, I was, I was working, uh, multiple jobs. And then I had a really tragic thing happen in my family. My youngest brother, um, was out dancing and, um, yeah, was with, was, was with his boyfriend at the time and they were walking, um, in a crosswalk mm-hmm. and, um, it was the right of way. And, um, yeah, this driver, uh, ran, ran him over oh. and, um, he pushed his partner out of the way, but didn't get out in time. Mm-hmm. And, um, it shattered his pelvis. It shattered like all different parts of, um, yeah, his physical body was really in shambles. And, um, we really thought he was going to die because he, uh, was in a coma and, um, the doctors were doing lots of extreme measures. Um, and it was very, very traumatizing for me as a person. And, and my entire family was pretty wrecked by it. And, I think that was one of my rock bottom moments was um, something so tragic happening to someone that I really loved out of the blue when you just can't anticipate that kind of thing. And so when I think of the converging events of just being so exhausted and depleted, um, I think I just had a moment of reevaluating what's important to me and how fragile and precious life is. Um, and that was actually one of the catalysting events that put me into a yoga teacher training. Cause I was so burnt out and I needed a little bit of a reprieve, um, while my brother was in recovery and my family was in a lot of pain. Um, so coming back home to my body was like a way of coming back to life. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know if that answers your question, but I think those, those burnout moments of what's sustainable, um, what's meaningful, what's life-giving, all of those questions started to kind of bubble up for me. And I started to change the way I think about life and how fast I was going and why, why the rush. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And also I think it sounded like there was a moment in time where like you couldn't take any, like you could do no more, you know? And I think when you're Mm -hmm. exhausted and physically exhausted and mentally exhausted from all of these different things that happened, it's like you had to give yourself permission to just solely focus on you. And that Mm -hmm. was like challenging, but it was a balance. It actually felt for me, I had some internal moments of feeling like, is this selfish when other people need something? And I'm like, taking a pause but I actually felt like it was necessary absolutely and I I couldn't really do anything to speed up my brother's recovery process and I think there was a moment of kind of surrendering to I want him to be well I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy like there is something of tragedy kind of really wakes us up those rock bottom moments you find the floor in a different way mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, and like you said earlier, to be able to find your own footing, to be able yeah. to, to be like, okay, now I have to, I have to restructure how I'm doing things because, mm-hmm. because this has rocked me so much. This has shattered a part of my world that I can't, mm-hmm. can't continue on as you were before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think trauma does shape us. I mean, those scars, they will, they will always be sensitive to the touch. Mm-hmm. 
-hmm. even when we heal the, the wounds, right? Because they're still a part of us and the memories don't fade, you know, they're, they're mm -hmm. still present, even if um, we've healed and it's not to say there's still as much pain when mm -hmm. it comes up, but it doesn't, it's definitely um, molded a part of you and how you view yeah. that. It also, some of the conversations I had with my brother after he started recovering was, he was really vulnerable with me one day and just shared that he had to relearn so many things like had to learn how to walk had to rely on others and I think the vulnerability of what it puts your body through um kind of reminds us how fragile and vulnerable we actually are mm -hmm. um and I think how short life is too or how how short life is, yeah but it also just gave me a lot of respect for his capacity to keep going and I I saw who my friends were in that time too I saw who the people were who went out of their way to kind of cover a shift for me so that I could go uh, be with my family during that time of need and um, the people who made a meal and brought it over like just little things went a long way in that time and just even a kind word or a smile or a hug or some of those moments of just really empathizing and really being present I think I appreciated it more than ever and it just showed me what matters mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I think those moments especially when we're feeling really vulnerable when we're mm -hmm. in a normal space and for people to witness us and hold space for you because I think you're it's, you know you're someone that's always doing that for others and when it question in a heartbeat to do it for them but then to receive that and be okay receiving that, I think then that's what galvanizes relationships, right? That's what really strengthens um, connection is to be able to be okay to receive and also recognize who is giving in that way to us, even when yeah, it's not always as intuitive or natural to feel, you know, to receive in that way. And sometimes we need people to give us permission especially if it's not natural <laughs> or you know if it's even culturally not learned like there's got to be those moments of yeah human connection like what you just shared it's I am not I am very much a giver and very this is like my era of trying to receive more and so when you yeah. it's so but it's so true because then mm -hmm. it's like I'm not I can't do no one can do life completely alone right it's impossible right. and I think it's a two-way street right we learn from each other and your healing journey is going to inspire someone who's maybe in a different part in their journey yeah. and vice versa right mm -hmm. when we talk about our stories it invites others to recognize their own experience and tap into feelings that might be similar or different mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 1000% are you how do you feel like now at this point in your life are you do you are you and your brother still very close um he is my baby brother um and will always be um but we live in totally different states and so we don't talk super often but um we talked yeah a few days ago and it was really lovely so that's amazing was there like like one or two things that kind of came from that um time frame within your life that have stuck with you or has continued to stick with you now? Mm. 
I think the biggest thing was I was really appreciative for my therapist. Um, like just being able to have a safe place to be really messy and vulnerable and angry. I think being angry about the situation was pretty raw emotion. And um, I think being able to be honest with my safe people. And um, I think I just learned to lean into others in a different way mm -hmm. uh, because I was forced to. Yeah, you don't have a choice, right? Yeah. You don't have a choice when you're going through it. I think when you're in survival mode, you really do rely on the people that are willing to show up and be in your corner. And to really support you and love you, I think, in a way. Yeah. Without any expectations of anything. It also shows you what you're made of. I think challenging situations actually really uh, invite resiliency to show itself. Mm -hmm. And more often than not we surprise ourselves with what we're capable of handling oh, yeah because i think yeah well and then for that to be even a door that got open for you to be able to incorporate yoga and like to be mm -hmm. able to become a teacher and then now like that being a part of your practice and like a part of your own self-care and everything in between it's like you know, obviously like you said never would wish that upon anyone obviously if the circumstances were different it would have been better but like you know life has a crazy way of taking those on those twists and turns yeah. mm -hmm. there's a fire truck coming by so I was going to try to fire truck oh no no it's okay but I um I'm so grateful for our conversation and I appreciate that you were so vulnerable and just willing to share kind of all these things and um we went all over the map didn't we uh, we always do I told you I was like I was like I thought this is a conversation about boundaries and we went places oh but it's I think it's because I think you know that actual application of boundaries because I think uh, and just real life because I do think real life is so messy sometimes huh. and it's one thing to to strategize about the best method in your boundary you know toolkit but actually seeing how it works for you in the moment is way more valuable absolutely and I think you're right stories are what people connect to so it's like and I and we definitely went into different stories about mm -hmm. times where like how did we learn about boundaries and so much I think boundaries I think get in reference or like are often presented in this way of how we're having it with other people but I think even boundaries within ourselves and to be able to have these moments to and these rituals and things that we're doing to help replenish us mm -hmm. allow us to be able to show up more for everything else that we're doing within life and so um and I think we talked about that pretty extensively which I think is really helpful too and it's definitely mm -hmm. not necessarily what I had in mind but whatever I'm okay I with like it we had to sing peaches and cream too so it was a win I think it was a win. Yeah, you had a lovely little um yeah karaoke moment really um I was expecting to do that I was like oh my gosh I love this song I've heard it I'm gonna add it to my playlist now but um I appreciate you I enjoy you and I... thank you so much for your time and for having me on your podcast this is so fun absolutely thank you for being here and um where can people find you if they wanted to connect with you after um people can find me on psychology today if you just type in my name ashley zimmerman or um i also have a website it's embodied-living.org 
And um, yeah, you can also find me at Shefa Yoga. Um, I'm offering um, a vinyasa flow at 4.30 on Saturdays now. So come hang in the community and say hi. Yes, please do. And you're also on Instagram as well, right? Yeah, I'm on Instagram. I, I want to say it's bravestories.reimagined. Yes, there you go. Yeah. Um, and I'll, I'll put it in the show notes too. Because- okay, beautiful. But um, thank you again. And thank you, um, appreciate that. Yes. I was like, and thanks for everyone for listening in. I hope this was um, useful just to be able to have these listen into this conversation and also to how this applies to you and how you can really integrate boundaries within your own life. Um, if, if, if anything, for an opportunity to be able to have these rituals, have these practices so that you can come, you can continue to show up for people in a more sustainable and loving and compassionate way. So, mm-hmm. I appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. Hi. See you. Um, Till next time. Bye.